Just about two and a half hours ago, my firstborn, Fiona, was dropped off at her residence at McGill University for her first year of school. And my little boy, Thomas, who's no longer a little boy, is sitting just down there, and he will be going into grade 12 this year, and I'm wondering where all the time went. I can remember when both of my beautiful children were born, getting a few instructions from the nurses before taking both of them home. And one of the things we learned how to do, and I was quite surprised by this, was how to swaddle a baby. I didn't realize you still swaddled babies. I thought that was something they just did in the New Testament, but apparently not. So it's a bit like making a Caesar wrap or something. You've probably done it, many of you, before. You lay out the blanket in a certain way, you fold it this way and that, you pop the baby on, wrap it around nice and snug, but not too snug, and away you go. Swaddling is meant to help the baby feel secure, to continue to feel a little bit like the womb is still there, and they're not out there alone in this big, scary world. To know that the tightness around them is the tightness of their parents' love. But that has to be loosed eventually, doesn't it? You can't just keep your baby contained like that. You have to love them and allow them to be themselves and loosen your grip on them. Guide them up to a point, but at a certain point, you have to let them fly. So that got me thinking about Jesus and about the two times that we read in the gospel where Jesus is wrapped up in cloth. We've all heard of the swaddling cloths or clothes, probably strips of material, more than a little Fentex baby thing. Wrapped up in the same way that my ones were wrapped up, and for the same reasons, and cuddled and coddled and protected by the Virgin Mary, and eventually loosed, unbound and loosed, and set free into the world to carry out the purpose for which he was born, something which I'm sure was quite frightening for Mary many times. And then the other time, of course, is when Jesus is wrapped up in his grave clothes, isn't it? Bound up tightly, contained within that shroud, wrapped up in spices to contain some things we won't mention now, but loosed all the same, miraculously, this time by his Father, God in heaven, and opening up for us a whole new way of being, a whole new way of living, a whole new understanding of who we are. I start with that today because it seems to me that those images or themes or words, bind loose, bind loose, run throughout our gospel reading today. Jesus is preaching in the synagogue, much in the way I'm preaching right now. And in through the door walks a woman who has bent over like this. 
Try that when you go home for about five minutes. Try walking around your kitchen or making yourself a cup of tea. Avoid the knives, please. Try walking down King Street. And then imagine what that would have been like for 18 years. Now, the average lifespan of a woman in those days was somewhere around 35 to 38 years. So we know that she has spent at least half of her life, if not more, staring down at the ground, not being able to meet people eye to eye, always being spoken down to. And worse than that, people considered that her illness was some kind of punishment, that she was inflicted by a demon. This is how people understood illness in those days. Thank God we don't anymore. But they did then. They all did. And they thought that she was in that predicament for some good reason. And so she'd be avoided too. Not just because she'd be difficult to interact with, but because she was tainted in some way. And Jesus tells her to stand up. He tells her to stand straight for the first time that she can probably ever remember. She meets someone eye to eye, and that someone is Jesus. And he tells her that she has been healed, that she has been unbound, that she has been loosed. And all hell breaks loose. Because why is Jesus doing this on a Sabbath? Why is Jesus breaking the rules? Why is Jesus trying to unbind the people Israel from the very laws which God has given them to protect them, to swaddle them from the dangers of the world, to make sure that they are safe, to make sure that they know that God is their God and they are God's people? Why on earth would Jesus be doing that? And so the argument begins. You know, the he said, she said, they said. Jesus saying one thing. The leader of the synagogue saying another thing. The woman too busy praising God to say much at all to anyone else. And the crowd eavesdropping on this theological conversation, but mostly rejoicing as well. And Jesus's question really boils down to this. If you, people of this synagogue congregation, he's talking to them, and they're all kind of, you know, got some chickens out back or something out back that they have to water and feed, maybe an ox or a donkey or something, if you will unbind or loose your animal for its well-being on the Sabbath, why are you so upset that I am unbinding and loosing this woman from her burden, from this affliction that she has carried, from this stigma and judgment why are you not allowing me to let her live fully and completely and with joy? 
You see, that's the bottom line question. And pretty well all the commentators that I read in preparation for today talked about how Jesus was bending the rules, talked about he, how Jesus was smudging the lines a little bit, teaching us how we might smudge the lines as well when it's necessary. It was Douglas MacArthur that first said, rules are meant to be broken. But I don't think Jesus is doing that at all. Here's what I think is happening. I think Jesus is showing them and us what the whole purpose of these laws is in the first place. And it's no accident that this teaching takes place on the Sabbath. Most of you have enough Sunday school background or other religious background to know that the law was given to God's people Israel in the wilderness, shortly after God had delivered them from bondage and slavery in Egypt. They were bound, and he unbound them, and he let them go towards the promised land, towards freedom as the people of God. And it's during the course of that journey that they received the Ten Commandments, which contains that commandment about the Sabbath as the day of rest. Well, if you were a slave and you were making bricks for the pharaoh of Egypt in the blazing hot sun, day after day after day, with no Brita filter in sight, and no sunscreen, and probably no shelter from the sun, and this guy was cracking the whip and making you make more and more bricks every single day, wouldn't it feel like good news to know that you were allowed to take a rest? Wouldn't it feel like good news to know that you weren't a machine? To know that your life has a purpose other than production? And that purpose is to be swaddled and embraced as God's beloved child? Doesn't that sound like good news to you? Sure sounds like good news to me. Jesus uses the same terms, bind and loose, when talking about the oxen and when talking about the woman. And I want each of you to think about the ways in which you feel bound and bent over and ashamed and judged in your lives. You know, we all get made fun of in the schoolyard, at least I did. And they say that sticks and stones can hurt your bones, but names will never hurt you, but we know that's not true. We all carry psychological soul bruises with us that we picked up at a tender age when our souls were extra tender and needing protection more than abuse. We're all bent over with some kind of shame and don't always feel comfortable looking certain people right in the eye. And the message Jesus has for you today is, I love you just as you are. You are my beloved brother. You are my beloved sister. You are God's beloved child. So stand up and face life and walk forward in that knowledge. But he calls us to something more as well. How are we called to loosen the bandages and the shame that others might bear? You know, I'm thinking of the current hoopla in the Anglican communion about 
same-gender marriage, binding people to restrictive understandings of love that date back to a time that none of us really fully understands and that bind people to an understanding that the rest of us don't really want to be bound to ourselves. I'm mindful of slavery in the US and in England and the great hoopla when people said, you know what? Maybe black people aren't made to be slaves. Maybe they're actually children of God like us. And maybe they deserve to be fully free. And the answer was, oh my gosh, you can't talk like that. That might divide the church. Come on, huh? So what? So be it. Rules are put there for a reason, to contain, to protect. But they should never oppress and bind. And we, when we let them atrophy, when we think that they are more important than the perfect law of love, that's exactly what happens. So today's reading is about grace and law, God's love and God's rules. And I'm going to end with a story about another sweet little child, my children's little half-sister, Sophie. And Neil and I bought Sophie a little activity book of Paw Patrol. You all know Paw Patrol. If not, go look it up. Uh, and it was one of those books that comes with markers, so it looks like any other coloring book. And I watched Sophie coloring on Friday night at a party we had. And there's like a picture of a dog wearing a police cap, hence the Paw Patrol thing. And Sophie was using her little markers, and almost like magic, color appeared. Every once in a while, she went out the lines, and there was no color. But mostly, she stayed within the lines, and this beauty sort of emerged off the page. And that's how we should understand the relationship between law and love, between rules and grace. Yes, there are lines in the sand. Yes, just like a picture that you need to color, there are certain lines that we need to stay within. But within those lines, we need to lead full lives of grace, full lives of compassion, beautiful lives which reflect the beauty of God's heart and God's love, not just for some, but for all God's children. And when we learn to focus on that instead, the, instead of the lines on the edge of the page, we will be having the fullness of life that Jesus calls us into. Amen.